Is it Kwesi Adolfo Mensa or Wayne Brady? Because he's like, let's make a deal. The Vikings pull off another trade and bring in a wide receiver. The Twins can't finish off the series strong against the Red Sox. We're talking all about it coming up on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stick. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Luke Inman out, Sam Ekstrom in, filling in today on Superior Sports Talk, your daily 30-minute breakdown of all things Minnesota sports. That's Reggie Wilson. He anchors the sports on CARE 11, joins us every day. And you can hear me with Ron Johnson Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Reggie told you we got to get to the Jalen Rager trade as he comes to Minnesota from Philadelphia, Amir Smith-Marset waved? What? And the Minnesota Twins' ninth-inning rally comes up short last night. And we might touch on a mesmerizing Serena Williams tennis match today on Superior Sports Talk. A reminder that you should subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, uh, leave a comment if you'd like. We would love for people to not only get this show every day, but the Ron Johnson Show, Minnesota Football Party, and the Instant Reaction postcasts after every Vikings, Twins, Wild, and Wolves game. Reggie, yesterday the bombshell. Jalen Rager coming to Minnesota for a seventh rounder and a future fourth or fifth, depending on what he does for the Vikings. And he's your de facto wide receiver for now, Reggie. Amir Smith-Marset waved as the corresponding move. And I don't know what was more surprising, Reggie, the trade itself, or that Amir Smith-Marset was the one who got victimized. You know, I don't know why the Vikings felt the need to do this trade, but it's, it's, it's interesting that they did what they did to get a guy who most likely will be utilized primarily as a punt returner. And then they get, you know, I was seeing a, a tweet from Luke yesterday and he was talking about it's a clear upgrade at punt returner, which I get, but you kind of downgrade um, from a receiver standpoint, but you know, all the reports said that Jalen was having a great camp this summer. He was motivated in a pretty good mental space. So, I, you know, they were expecting bigger things from him. So maybe he comes in this Vikings offense and does well. The tough part is he's been largely in another offense. And now he comes in right before week one. And now you're expecting him to, you know, compete. You know, Amir Smith-Marset had a, a full offseason in this new offense. Kind of knows what's going on. But at the same time, it's like Kwesi felt like he had to do something to make something happen. And that was what he decided to do. It's just kind of crazy that um, if you look at their stats, Jalen had 33 receptions, 299 yards, and, and two touchdowns. Amir Smith-Marset, he played in eight games. He had one start. He had 116 yards and two touchdowns. You feel like another year growing in this system, and maybe you see bigger things from him, and they just kind of gave up on him. Yeah. Are you a big PFF guy, Reggie? Yeah, I am. 
Okay, so me too. And the catch-all stat for receivers that I like the most is yards per route run because there really aren't anomalies there. Almost always the best receivers rise to the top. So that's Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill. They're always going to be about three yards per route run. It's just a great mm -hmm. efficiency stat. Jalen Rager last year, in quite a, a nice sample size, was 110th out of a possible 110 receivers in yards per route wow. run. So that wow. is to say, and the numbers are, I mean, 0. 0.67 for, for people that know what like a good yards per route run is, that's a bad uh, YPRR. So he was very inefficient when he was on the field. He was taking up space and not doing a lot with it. And now you expect him to learn this complex offense in like a week and contribute? Probably not. So you're probably saying, okay, you are our D.D. Westbrook. If you remember what the Vikings did last year, they brought in D.D. with much fanfare. Oh, Keenan McCardell used to coach him. He's going to be the wide receiver three. Barely got a sniff on offense, and he was the punt returner, and he did an okay job. Jalen yeah. Rager as a punt returner, another PFF stat for you, Reggie. Number two in punt return grade amongst all the full-time punt returners last year. So that's good. I like wow. that. I thought Amir Smith-Marset yeah. was not ready to be the punt returner based on what I saw. So I appreciate that upgrade, but I don't love the downgrade um, at wide receiver, like you said, because you could have waived Jalen, um, um, the other Jalen, Jalen Naylor. You could have waived mm -hmm. Vidarian Lowe or um, you know, probably a handful of other rookies or lower round picks who probably would not have caught other teams' eye, slip them through to the right. practice squad. We'll find out soon, but Reggie, I don't think Amir Smith-Marset, after what he showed in the preseason and last season, I don't think he's sneaking through. No, no, that that's the tough part about it. I think, not to compare him to K.J. Osborne, because I do think that they're two different guys, but I do think that he was going to take a step this season and, and really show and prove what he could do. And he just doesn't get that chance to do so. I think, you know, they probably would love if he cleared waivers and they would just be able to sign him to the practice squad. But the tough part is, is a guy like that, you know, I don't see him clearing waivers. I mean, Kellen Mond didn't even clear waivers. The, the guy ended up getting picked <laughs> up by Cleveland. And, you know, I think they were hoping that maybe he would and they would be able to sign him to the practice squad. Now they don't even have a third quarterback at this point. Um, so... They got some issues there, but it's it's weird, man. Like, like you said, they could have done so many other things. It's just weird that that was who they decided that that was, you know, going to be the guy that they put on waivers for this other guy who you don't really expect to have a major, major impact, you know, in this offense. I could see him, you know, maybe some end around plays or, you know, that, you know, he's you know, running behind the line of scrimmage and you, you toss it to him or you give it to him and, you know, have him kind of do his thing or, you know, maybe a couple of specialty plays here or there just to utilize the speed. But, I mean, when you got J.J., Thielen, and K.J., you don't really need a whole lot of production from them. So, you know, I, I would much rather have a guy that you could utilize a little bit more in the passing game. But, you know, I didn't know the the number two 
you know, ranking in PFF on punt return from him. That is a significant upgrade. It's just funny, man. Like, the whole thing is funny. You know, when you look at 2020 and the former Vikings brass just, like, celebrating because the Eagles did not take Justin Jefferson, and now you're like, oh, okay, we're just going to bring him on. You know, that that's what we're going to do. Um, what, what I do think is interesting, too, is, you know, Kwesi is a, you know, Wall Street guy by trade you know he's a numbers guy he you know he's used to wheeling and dealing and he's kind of turned the the vikings into like uh his his wall street project if you will it's just like here's the deal i can do what deals can i make to maximize you know my gain on this team and it's just weird i think it's something like 10 trades since the start of the nfl draft yeah. and it's just like goodness great a league high six you know, during the draft, and then he pulls off four trades in 10 days uh, this month, and you're just like, goodness gracious, what is going on? Do these things pay off? I guess it remains to be seen, but I think one thing that we've seen from Kwesi is he ain't scared. He ain't scared. <laughs> well, he's talking today to the media, so we should get some answers, yep. but Reggie, let me, looking at the totality now of these, these several deals, um, around roster cutdown days. So they, they trade Jesse Davis, the veteran. They cut yep. Armin Watts and basically exchange him for Ross Blacklock. So buying mm -hmm. low, as a good stock market trader would do, and then yep. getting rid of Amir Smith-Marset and buying low on Jalen Rager, mm -hmm. although some would say that, that a future fourth might be too high. Um, yep. But do you think that the end result of those three transactions, did the Vikings get better or did the Vikings get worse? I think it's just like flatline can we go with that I, I don't really think that it when you throw out the ranking the pff ranking of uh punt returners that would seem to say that they got better although you know you probably don't want to see him muffing that punt against tampa uh not too long ago uh, <laughs> that that yeah. might not inspire confidence uh in his ability uh, when you kind of watch that that tape over again. But uh, at the same time, like, I, I don't know if you you get rid of Armin Watts and you get Blacklock, and I have not seen the guy play, so I really don't know anything about him to know. You know, I've seen Armin Watts play, and, you know, maybe they just didn't feel like he was a good fit for, you know, this change in system that they're doing, but... I feel like he was coming into his own, especially last year. Uh, so it's it'll be interesting to see what he does in Chicago. Um, we we talked about the the you know Jalen coming and Amir Smith Marset leaving, and and what that does. <sighs> you got rid of Jesse Davis, but you you drafted Ed Ingram, and he's stepping up into RG one. So it's just like. He's doing exactly what you drafted him to do. Right now, there is a big belief in their draft class. And look, you took these guys, so you should be believing in them. So I, I, I can appreciate that. But I don't know with these trades, I don't know if they necessarily got better. You know, I, I still, you know, I still think they had a good draft, but I still go back to, you know, not getting enough in return for dropping down 20 spots in that first round of the NFL yeah. draft. And I'm like, I just don't know. You know, I, I think Lewis Seen is going to be a fine player. 
You know, I, I can appreciate that they did some deals in the second round to try to regain some of the, you know, capital that they lost. And, it, you know, it netted them and Ed Ingram, who now steps in as the starting right guard. And that's exciting. But I just don't really know. I guess time will tell if if these trades really work out. But I think Kwesi was just trying to, like, shake things up, do something to to add a little bit more value to this team and, and just maybe, you know, add up a little bit more gain uh, to this squad. And we'll see if it works out. A near-miraculous Twins comeback. Uh, we talk about that to come and also predictions for the Gophers home opener tonight against New Mexico State. But we talked about Quazy making some risky bets, and you can make some educated bets when you use betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in and all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events. Find the lines at your number one online source for odds, lines, and games. They've got MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL lines, whatever you need. Check them out. The top online resource for all your sports wagering information, whether it's live in-game betting. You can find the scores and see whether your bet is going to hit. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet Online, where the game starts. Going to talk Twins Red Sox. And uh, before we do, just a reminder if you're watching on YouTube, like and comment on the video. It's really helpful to help other people find the video and make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Sports Minnesota. All of our podcasts are also videos, so check them out. It's Ron Johnson, it's Reggie Wilson and Superior Sports Talk, and it's the Minnesota Football Party. Twins Red Sox last night, Reggie. Twins trying to make it six straight. They almost did, and they almost did it almost. spectacularly. They were down 5-0. They claw back to 6-5. They get the eight and nine hitters on base in the ninth with nobody out. Arise and Correa coming up. It felt like a potential landmark moment for the Twins. Mm -hmm. If one of their two big knockers, Arise or Correa, could deliver the walk-off jolt instead, fly out, double play, game over. So the winning streak ends at five, Reggie, and the deficit in the division remains at one and a half. The Orioles do the Twins a favor and beat the Guardians. So uh, where are you at now with the Twins, Reggie? Are you back on the bandwagon despite the loss last night with a five and one homestand? You know what? I'm ever the optimist. So, Sam, count me in. Count me in. Back on the bandwagon, okay? <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting. They did this five-game winning streak without Byron Buxton. And he's kind of like their emotional heart and soul of that team. And I think the, the Twins, it's almost like they felt disrespected or something like that. They, you know, they went MJ. They took it personally that they were losing all those games back-to-back. -back. Like, people were talking about them. You know, people may or may not have been me saying that they could be cooked, you know? And all of a sudden, it's just like, well, you know what? Talks of our demise greatly overstated. And they come out with this five-game winning streak and honestly, you know, put themselves in great position to, to win uh, last night. And... It's interesting because I think what we're seeing from this Twins team is a, a group that is resilient. And we've seen that before, but this last stretch, especially after the sweep to the Astros, you're just like, dang, man, they're about to go out sad. You know, they got the Red Sox coming up. The Red Sox still have a little bit to play for. Like, 
dang, this is messed up. This is how they're going to go out? Dang, man. And really, I think Twins fans are, are just very, very cautious right now. They want to believe, but, you know, they, they got a lot of PTSD. And I understand mm -hmm. because, you know, the fan base has been through a lot. The Minnesota sports fan base has been through a lot. I think because of what has happened, the fans here are just trained to be pessimists. And here I come with my optimism, like, hey, man, they can do it. They're like, Reggie, shut up. You don't know. You just don't know. You don't know about this here. Okay. And I understand it because it's just like when you've seen what you've seen for years and years and years, you just, you're like, eh, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. But they've put mm -hmm. themselves in great position. I think one thing, you know, we don't talk about moral victories. You know, everybody hates that. But one thing that you see is a couple plays, you know, different last night. And you're talking about a six-game winning streak. You know, if Flash hadn't been admiring that double and just really actually flashed around the bases, maybe he gets into third safely and the, the inning in the eighth is extended and they're able to tie the game. Arise, you know, he gets out in the ninth and, and Correa, I, man, I hate it for Correa because that had the chance to be like a signature moment for him. And he grounds into the double. It just, it was brutal, man. It was just like, man, all this excitement, you know, only one out. You got multiple runners on. You're like, look, you just need to put the ball in play, you know, over the infielder's head, base hit. And you're talking about maybe the game being over. And you couldn't do it. A double play, that's like so brutal, man. But I think what you can draw from that is that this team has a lot of fight left. And they're not about to go out without putting up a fight. And if you're a Twins fan, I think you can draw some confidence from that. That being said, it's like, dang, they got this day off today? You would much, I, I made a joke last night uh, on CARE 11 when I was doing sports. They may just want to get a group of guys together and just play a game anyway just to kind of keep some momentum going because yeah. they, they're just on a, on a roll right now. Yeah, Chicago next after the off day, and then the Yankees, who are mired in a crazy slump right now, despite Aaron Judge yeah. homering like every day. Twins yeah. have shown some clutchness, though. You're right. Like, even back to that Astros series, and, and you know, maybe there is a little more momentum at, at play here than we thought because they were trying to come back in every single one of those Astros games in the ninth inning and coming up mm -hmm. short every day. But it seemed yep. to carry over a little bit into that San Francisco series when they had the big rally in the ninth, and and they got that winning streak going because they were able to rally. And then uh, last night, again, very valiant in the eighth inning, or well, really the seventh inning, they put some guys on, got a run. Mm -hmm. Eighth inning, they put guys on, got two runs on the Gordon double. And the ninth inning, they just came up a little bit short. But the clutch hitting that's been lacking is starting to come around. So now they just yep. need a couple guys – to get hot at the same time, Reggie, because it feels like they've mm -hmm. kind of taken turns. Arise had his amazing stretch, then he kind of gave it to Miranda for a while, and now Nick Gordon yep. is the one who you want up at the plate. The Twins need a few guys to get hot in September. So the final month of the season, Reggie, they've got to make up a game and a half. they got some tough series coming up. Um, wh who's the one guy that you want to see just get on a tear? Dude, look, I hate and I say hate, you know, very strongly here, but I hate talking about a guy's 
money like I don't like people up in my pockets. Like, don't be counting my money. So I'm not trying to count his either. But you signed Correa to 35 plus mil to come here and be a game changer. You've won a World Series, you know, banging trash cans and all that good stuff. You won a World Series. You're you're a champion. You bring that championship pedigree over to the Twins because the Twins are trying to do something that they haven't done in, in several, and I say several, very loosely, several years. They're just trying to get out of that first round, you know, let alone win, a, win the whole thing. They, they want to get out of the first round of the playoffs. And Correa is the guy that they bring in to help, you know, kind of be that catalyst for them to do that. And they are paying him handsomely to be the guy that he was in Houston. They need him to step it up and and be the guy with the clutch hits. Like last night could have been the start of of a, a great stretch for him. You know, he's winning the game in the ninth inning. And then, you know, he comes out in the next several series and he, you know, goes on a tear. Like you want him to be that guy. And I think he is capable mm -hmm. of doing that. And fans want to see it from him. All right, I'm going to get Reggie's take on the Jerry Kill PJ Fleck handshake tonight. Just a quick reminder that uh, the Minnesota football party is coming up later today. It's a roundtable with myself, Luke Braun, Luke Inman, and Arif Hassan of The Athletic. It records on Mondays and Thursdays. It's an hour of Vikings talk twice a week, and you can get it on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Subscribe, uh, review, rate, all that good stuff. All right, Reggie, Gophers, New Mexico State Aggies tonight. The fearsome Aggies led by Jerry Kill. Not exactly regarded as a, a powerful program. I think the Gophers are 36 and a half point favorites tonight. Um, give me a prediction, Reggie. Good Lord. I mean, uh, I get, hold, hold on. I should probably brand this as the what does it mean segment. What does it mean for the Gophers tonight to be taking on New Mexico State? And uh, what do you expect to see? Whether it's the pregame handshake, postgame handshake with the, the coaches who are at odds or something that happens on the field. This is a statement game. And it's a statement game in a statement season. Year six with PJ, like this is kind of crazy that he's been here that long. But it's time for them to go, man. You look at their, their schedule this season and you expect big things from them. You know, you expect to see them compete for a Big Ten championship this year. Like, that's the expectations for this team. And what you expect is them to go out and and beat down the teams that they're supposed to beat down and, and handle their business. And that that's exactly what you expect tonight. You got your offensive coordinator back. You know, him and Tanner Morgan are back, you know, united at the hip again. You know, Tanner's the established veteran, six-year guy. Like, it's time to go. Like, it's go time, man. Like, I expect them. What did you say the line was? 36 and a half, I think, was, was last Good check Lord. at BetOnline.net. 40. They need to go 40, at least. You know, like, put it on them. Put it away fast. Like, have the fans, like, just eating popcorn and, and on TikTok by halftime. Like put it away, and 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 keep it going because it's time to go. This you look at their schedule; they don't have like the Ohio State, you know, some some of these upper echelon teams that you, you know, are expecting uh, to be there. 
you know, when it's all said and done in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, if you got Ohio State playing Michigan at the end of the year, that could bode well for your chances because they're beating on each other. And that could, you know, help propel you toward, you know, the, the Big Ten championship game, which you're, you're excited about that possibility. But you also are expecting that. You know, you look at the schedule, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, like those are going to be tough games. But you do expect them to be competitive and really, you know, challenge to beat those teams because this is the year that, that they do it, that they try to put all that stuff together. You know, so much has been said about the whether or not the guys are going to, you know, shake hands tonight or not. I think that they're going to get it out of the way, you know, do it pregame. It's not going to be anything mm -hmm. warm and fuzzy. You know, they just may walk over. Hey, man, good luck tonight. God bless. Handshake you know, walk away. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. Um, that that whole thing, you know, Randy Shaver did a whole story about that last week on CARE 11. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, check that out if you can. That whole thing is just weird to me. Like, I feel like PJ is kind of like collateral damage for like the ills of, of Jerry Kill and like, you know, what happened with him. But then it, you know, it's like, Fleck kind of leaned into the beef a little bit, even though he's not saying anything publicly. There are things that are being said behind the scenes as well. And so it's just like, what's going on here? And it, it kind of sounds like one of those things is like, oh, you don't like me? Well, shoot, forget you too then. Like, I don't like you too then. You know, get out of here. New Mexico yeah. State, stay over there then. It's fine. <laughs> and it's just kind of, a, it's kind of a weird situation. I'm not really sure what that's about or why there's so much animosity, but you know, they'll get that out of the way. And then I thoroughly expect a beat down tonight, you know, not even close. I would hope that Reggie, um, based on the caliber of, of that New Mexico state program, but of, of late Fleck teams have messed around in these non-conference games way too much last three years. And one of these years, there were no non-conference games because of COVID. But mm -hmm. they have five of six non-conference games where they've either won by a single possession or lost. Miami, Ohio, Bowling Green last year they lost. Uh, South Dakota State, Georgia Southern, Fresno State. They were in a dogfight in all those games, and they should not have mm -hmm. been. Um, and that's because I think P.J. comes in with kind of conservative game plans, especially early in the season. He doesn't like to really – put the pedal down like Glenn Mason back in the day, Ron Johnson's old coach, they would just obliterate teams. They would put up 60 burgers mm -hmm. on the regular. Uh, I would I would like to see some more of that tonight at Huntington Bank Stadium. Uh, check CARE 11 out for the report on that tonight, the 10 o'clock news. Uh, what does it mean, Reggie? Dan Graziano of ESPN made a surprise prediction for every NFL team, and his prediction was that C.J. Ham will have a bigger role in the offense than we expect. What does that mean for the Vikings offense if indeed Ham is more involved? Sam, I'm going to be real with you right now. These what does it mean segments, usually I can give you some great context. I have mm -hmm. no idea what that means. <laughs> We've seen CJ Ham be productive you know, uh, in seasons, past, you know, catching passes out of the backfield, you know, you can hand it off to him and he can, you know, fall forward and, and get some, some good yardage. But like, what does that even, 
I mean, he's a fullback. Like the the fullback is one of those like positions that are kind of dying in the NFL. I don't know if maybe so. OJ Howard got placed on waivers, and we didn't see the Vikings do anything, you know, to to maybe try to add a tight end. You know, their depth is not really all that strong. You're you're looking at, you know, Irv Smith is coming off the thumb injury. We're not really sure what to expect from him just yet. And and overall coming off a knee injury last year as well. So you're just like, man, like, is this guy going to stay healthy? He's tight end one. You know, you don't really see, you know, the Rams had Tyler Higbee in that offense, and he was kind of like the guy. They had Gerald Everett as well um, up until he went over to Seattle. And, you know, they, they utilized them sparingly, I guess. When you have a guy as good as Higby, you have to get him involved. And so I do think Irv Smith Jr. is a, a really good tight end when he's healthy, but the health is the, the factor here. And if he's not, then you're looking at guys like Johnny Munt. You know, they, they had two tight ends that, you know, young tight ends in Davidson and Muse. And they they waived both of those guys, and they ended up, you know, putting Muse on the practice squad. And it's just like, okay. All right. So I don't know if maybe Ham is a guy that they plan on maybe utilizing more as a pass catcher to kind of, you know, maybe like an H-back, you know, like kind of like a makeshift tight end or something like that. Like I have no idea. Mm -hmm. There's been talk of Dalvin Cook being utilized more in the passing game this season, which is exciting. So maybe maybe Kevin O'Connell has a plan for C.J. Ham because, you know, just the, the fullback lining them up in that fullback spot and having them be the lead blocker for a running back. Like, it's kind of a lost art in the NFL at this point. You don't really see a whole lot of fullback, you know, play, you know, at a robust level game in and game out. So maybe KOC has a greater plan for Ham in that H-back role. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, Reggie. C.J. Ham has been in a fullback-friendly offense for years. He's played over a thousand snaps in the last three years, mm -hmm. had 42 catches over the last three years combined, and, and 19 uh, carries, so 61 touches for a fullback in today's NFL. That's amazing. So I'm mm -hmm. not sure how they could deploy him really any more actively than they already have been. Like <laughs> I, I think I, it's hard for me to imagine him playing more than he did in the Zimmer offense, where he was actually getting a third of the snaps. I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, if, if so that would be a stunner. Like, if they come out against Green Bay and he's literally on the field 35 snaps that game, that would be shocking, and I don't anticipate that. So yeah. I think he's going to be involved in some way. But th let's keep in mind, this is the same guy that the Vikings targeted on a key, was it third or fourth down in Baltimore, on a deep pass. They threw to him on a fourth down in Green Bay in Week 17. Like they've already they've given him high leverage touches in the past, um, so it's hard for me to imagine him being any more involved than he's been in the past, unless they legit are going to turn him into Kyle Uzcheck. But you don't do that when you have Jefferson and Cook and Thielen. That just doesn't make sense. So I think exactly. it's still going to be a, a step back from last year. What type of intel does Dan Graziano have? Like who has he been talking to that that makes him? have such a bold prediction like where does that even Dan. come from was it just everything else was just too easy to say and he was just like i got something Dan. for you 
CJ Ham. <laughs> Everyone loves to say CJ Ham uh, because yeah. his name is Ham. I think people are like, oh, it's it's a Rams offense. They're not going to use a fullback. And I think when now that people are realizing they might actually use the fullback a little bit, that's a surprise to some people. Um, and and I think that they will. It's just not going to be like Mike Zimmer did. Uh, last think, one, uh, Reggie. What's, Go what's, ahead. What's Sorry. interesting, Go ahead. real quick, Sam. I think what's interesting is we're going to find out. Like KLC is going to have his own offense. Yeah, it's probably going to have a lot of Rams concepts, you know. But when I saw Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, I covered him, you know, for two seasons in Cincinnati. When I saw him there, he was a guy that used a lot of Rams concepts. But he had his own style, his own offense, his own flavor. And I think, you know, KLC started, you know, like with the Patriots. He he has that influence. So, you know, that Josh McDaniel style offense. He was in Washington uh, with McVay, kind of, you know, that that type of offense. And now, you know, you, you go to the Rams and, you know, McVay's offense has has kind of you know, evolved as well. And so I think he's going to have different influences from the different stops that he's had. It's going to be O'Connell's offense. Yeah, it's probably going to be heavy Rams and heavy, you know, McVay style. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think he's going to have his own thing. And, and we're going to see how that plays out. Yeah, kind of a cocktail of all the places that he's been before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, the, kind of the Kevin Stefanski thing with all those influences he had too. Um, yep. Last one, Serena Williams, man. I mean, I was mesmerized last night as Serena Williams took down the number two seed at the U.S. Open in three sets, including a tiebreaker in the first set. I don't watch a lot of tennis, but when I do, I am endlessly entertained, especially when it's played at the highest level like that. Um, just living and dying with every shot, honestly. It's, it's the Tiger Woods effect where under no other circumstances are you that dialed into a second-round match at a, at a U.S. Open, but... With Serena there, the crowd just juiced. It was unbelievable. Uh, what does it mean for Serena Williams' shot at winning the U.S. Open, Reggie, now that she's taken down the number two seed? She's got a shot, man. You know what we've seen, though, over the last couple years in these uh, Grand Slams is Serena plays really well in those first three-plus rounds, and it's like once she gets to that championship match, she kind of runs out of steam. And I was talking to our show producer before uh, we started today. And, you know, he brought up how she's going to be playing in a doubles match as well. Just just putting it all out there. She's like, look, mm -hmm. if this is going to be it, I'm playing with Sis one more time. We're going to, you know, recapture some of our old magic. And I'm also going to do this singles uh, competition as well. I just caution her not to expend too much of her. Look, she's an athlete, so, but she's also 40, you know? And so father time is undefeated, despite what LeBron James is doing. Father time is undefeated. <laughs> and you just hope that she has enough gas to get her uh, to the finish line, but she's very much so ex extending a lot of herself. You know, that that match yesterday was hard fought, man. Like, that took a lot out of her, I'm sure. You know, battling with the number two, like, that That girl was no slouch. But I, I want to see her go out on top so bad. You have to understand, growing up, I would wake up on Saturday mornings and my mom and I would watch her, you know, compete 
Wimbledon. That's cool. Australian Open. You know, all these different uh, uh, tennis grand slams that, that she's played in. And, like, she's like, Serena was like religion in our household. And so I've literally been pulling for Serena since I was, you know, young. And to just kind of see her at this point in her career, it's just, it's nostalgic one, but it's also, it's like that fire burning. Like, like when she wins, you feel like you're winning too, because that's how invested you are in her. And I just want to see her do it. I just hope she doesn't run out of steam, but I, I believe that she's still an elite level player, um, especially in this tournament. And I just want to see her go out there and win it. Cause that's that's what we all want to see. We all like to see the greats going out. When John Elway went out with his Super Bowl, Peyton Manning went out with his Super Bowl. That's cool, man. You're like, we love that. Tom Brady trying to go out with you know with another Super Bowl win. He he wasn't good enough. Just saying the heck with the career after last how last season ended. He's like, man, I think I want to come back and try to win another. You know, let's let me just submit that ghost status. And mm-hmm. look, Tom Brady, Serena. They're the GOATs. Like, they don't have to do anything else to cement their GOAT legacy. But wouldn't that just be sweet for her to go out? She got all the diamonds in her hair. She's sparkling all over the court. And just go out one last time with a trophy. That would just be a fantastic end to her stellar career. Looks like the next match is Friday against a Croatian, A. Tomjanovic. Not sure of the first name. That's what ESPN tells me. And I, I assume that's a better matchup for her since the number two seed uh, got knocked off, probably a lower seed now in this third round. So definitely a good chance yeah. for Serena. Um, I love your passion about tennis, Reggie. That's awesome. I love following love your tweets as the match is going on. You keep me invested. Um, that's all for today. The round table is tomorrow with Ron Johnson, Luke Enman, Reggie Wilson, and myself, Sam Ekstrom. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, five-star review, rate it, um, and find all your favorite shows. Ron Johnson, Reggie Wilson here on Superior Sports Talk and the Minnesota Football Party. I'm Sam Ekstrom filling in for Luke Inman today. He'll be back on the roundtable tomorrow. Until then, signing off. Be blessed. Spread love today.